This FPL season has definitely been go, go, go. A nonstop hustle all the time. Matches, deadlines, unexpected blank and double game weeks, on top of everything the real world has had in store. Sometimes you need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. For me personally, supporting Fulham during this last year has been a true roller coaster ride. Honestly, when that Adama Traore goal flew past Areola in the 92nd minute of game week 31, the only thing that saved my mental state, the only thing that calmed my nerves, was cracking open a Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way, you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. And listen, everyone, summer is pretty much here. It's about to get hot in New York. An ice-cold Coors Light is such a perfect way for me to beat that summertime heat. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. Cheaters, and welcome to the Always Cheating Fantasy Premier League Podcast. My name is Brandon, and I'm here with my co-host, Josh. Josh, how are you today as we record? I am doing fine. Thank you, Brandon. How are you? Well, you know, life goes on. I'll tell you that much. But coming out mm-hmm. of Game Week 12, um, I'm, I'm part of that large pack of managers who... Uh, yeah, feeling a little, feeling a little blue. I ended up with thirty nine points, one point below the average. Yeah, it's I'm just on a tough run here. I have to be honest with you, Brandon. Given I took one look at your midfield at seven thirty a.m. on Saturday morning, and I thought there was thirty nine seemed out of reach. To be totally honest, <laughs> you, you you felt you felt you felt a very risky midfield this weekend. Yeah, out of necessity, I, I'll grant you. I, I went 4-3-3 because Adam Lallana looked like he was going to be injured, and I just stacked it up in my defense. And Kyle Walker, who has been my savior all season, ended up with zero points, and, and to make matters worse, went off with an injury. It doesn't look like anything is going to come of that. But, yeah, my over-reliance on Arsenal has, becomes a running theme on the Always Cheating podcast with Walcott and Ozil. It's just been a, a bit of a disaster yeah, uh, you playing, playing fantasy Arsenal this season. You couldn't really drop them either because they have this home fixture to Bournemouth next game week. And so, you know, I mean, it actually worked out well in the end because I think the obvious move would have been to turn one of them into a Liverpool midfielder. And Liverpool kind of spent that whole Southampton match shaking the rust off. Like, I mean, if if, if that was Liverpool, it's like another example of why the international breaks are so frustrating because mm, yeah. you know, going to the international break, Liverpool dropped six on Watford. You feel like if if, the, if that match had gone on like another 30 minutes, they might have scored like 10 goals in that game. And they were just totally dominant <laughs> with no sign of stopping. Uh, but, you know, they send their two best players away to Brazil. And even though – uh, Firmino barely played when he was over there. I think he played like 15 minutes total or something. Josh, you, uh, you think Mesut Ozil had gone to Brazil the way he looked against United? 
I know he had his. Like, everyone was sharing his like one good pass, but it was like, listen, like yeah, you, you did you did not make a thirty five year old, but in general, you didn't you didn't have a very good game. So, so it was, it was, yeah, it, it was an interesting transfer week for me. I got rid of Ibrahimovic to bring in Lukaku, or that was just a transfer out of fear. I was afraid of what he was going to do against Swansea. So. I saw you Friday night, and we were talking about our transfers, and, and you said, well, burn four and turn Lalana into Firmino. And I'm thinking, it's going to be a down week, generally low-point scoring international break. I don't want to burn four on a player that is coming back from a long travel, may not do well, and of course that, that bore out. But now I'm in this position of, well, why didn't I just burn four in a week that really I wasn't going to do anything in? Right. And I'd be sitting right. a little, uh, sitting a little prettier here now. But no, was actually a- my biggest regret is, is bringing Lukaku in for Ibrahimovic because we're going to uh, talk about heavy hitting, heavy hitting strikers later in the podcast, but what I wouldn't give to have Ibra instead of Lukaku right now. Or Diego Costa. I mean, I don't know if you watched the Chelsea match, but you must have been so like, I mean, for, for Costa to be scoring those kind of goals, I mean, coming out of a break, I mean, he is just, in, I mean, he might win the golden boot this year. Like he is, he is completely dialed in right now. And I think he's just going to keep hanging that, that four yellow cards over everybody and kind of taunting all of us cowardly fantasy managers <laughs> who don't want to bring him in. It's true. It's true. And again, we'll talk about uh, Lukaku versus Costa in a little bit, but I, I'm still not ready and to to my to my detriment, I'm still not ready to to get yeah. on the Costa train. I mean, I had Costa earlier and and got rid of him when the getting rid of seemed good. So I uh, I, I had a, my my two transfers worked out very well. I was very happy with them. Uh, I moved uh, Raheem Sterling into Eden Hazard. I did it actually as on Saturday of last week uh, to get ahead of some price changes. And you know, I think since then, I think Hazard is up at least point four and. Um, <laughs> I think Sterling's down like three points, like three total points. <laughs> it's like somehow he's like the, you're not supposed to be able to go on point three, but he's down like, like one whole point or something in the last week. It's, it's uh, a tremendous disappearing <laughs> act by this guy. Yeah, totally is. So I, I dropped him for, for Hazard and I got the very rare one bonus point. It was, it was the kind of match where that kind of thing can happen because a couple Chelsea defenders got yellow cards and um, and there was only one goal, but it was unassisted. And uh, so I, I was fine with I was fine with four points from Mazard. And then the the big move though was I dropped Virgil Van Dyke for uh, Alan Niam, which I was feeling a little nervous about when Van Dyke drops. I mean, there's no way you could have predicted that Liverpool wouldn't score a goal. I mean, they had two breakaway chances on Saturday. I mean, they really should have scored at least uh, you know a single goal. Um, Coutinho so I dro- really uh, botched that uh, Firmino Coutinho breakaway. Uh, I, I guess a number them. of them, a number of chances yeah. they let, let slip by. But uh, so I, I brought in Yam, uh, and I was, I was kind of sorting it out a little bit. But then Yam picks up eleven points this uh, in today's fixture. So I turned what would have been, I guess, nine points into uh, fifteen points. So uh, it was net six, and I like the way both those moves set me up. I mean, having Eden Hazard. You know, when I bought him at nine point nine, and so now I think he's already up to ten point three. So it feels good to just kind of have him and lock him in because he looked really good in the uh, match on Sunday, anyway. So, uh, and Yam at four point three million. I mean, I, I have to imagine he's going to be due for a price rise or two this week because uh, people. I mean, a four point three million uh, defender who's. I, I suppose we were actually talking about this a little bit before the podcast started. There's some question about whether he's actually going to be a starter long term, but I, to me, this is. It just feels like. Complete speculation because I mean he's he started seven matches in a row, um, 
by all you know, all the comments that that the, the manager have made, it seems like it seems like he's pretty safe, you know. So I, I don't really know what the concern is here. I mean, um, and he's actually playing him at right back instead of his natural spot. So um, or is it so the he, other way around? He's on the left. Yeah, he's on the left instead of right. Right. Um, so left. Yeah. No, no, I'm confused. He's. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing a little Abbott and Costello with you right now. <laughs> Uh, so, you know, what's funny is I, I guess because I grew up as a baseball fan, I can tell you like every major player, if they're lefty or righty, but with, uh, with soccer players, I can never remember if anybody's left footed or right footed. It's like, I can't lock it into my brain somehow. Uh, but anyway, so Niam to me has, he has, he has two natural fullback positions. Um, and he, he played, fan, I was sort of joking, uh, you, you said you weren't able to watch tonight's match and I was joking that he looked like Jesus Navas down the stretch. I mean, he was just like rampaging down the flank and, uh, just beating this, this early team that they, they, they kind of gave up five minutes into the match. And, uh, yeah, so it was, uh, so I feel pretty good about having him as well. So uh, 49, 49 points all told, uh, in green arrows across the board. I had what is a very rare experience with me and a Premier League match. You had G-chatted me about 35 minutes into the first half of West Brom Burnley, and you said, what's up with this Burnley defense? And yeah. I thought, well, that's a speculative comment. So I don't or <laughs> not, I didn't really realize the game had started, and I looked at my clock and thought, oh, my God, the first half's almost over. I'd forgotten the game <laughs> was even going on. It never yeah ever happens no matter how sort of uh, unappealing the fixture may be yeah this is a busy I, I don't know about you but i'm sure this is true of a lot of a lot of managers I, this like like my real life is incredibly busy around this time of the year <laughs> especially work because you never know knows work starts to kind of it, it kind of spins down a little bit, you know, the, like into December. And so I feel like this, like the last couple weeks of November are always crazy for me. I've got like a million different things I'm trying to, trying to do. So, um, you know, so, I don't so, know. So, Josh, you mentioned that you got rid of Virgil van Dyke, and it reminds me of something we were also talking about not long ago about players in the Premier League that, for whatever reason, you just kind of like them. <laughs> they, they just yeah. give you a good feeling. Like, maybe it's not because you associate them with the previous fantasy season or you think that they're an integral player to the team. It's just somebody who you watch and you think you'd like to hang out with them. I think it started earlier this season. We were talking about Yannick Bellassi, and I was just saying that I, I just like watching Yannick Bellassi play. I, I, he just he plays a lot of energy and a lot of joy. And I mean, he's a good player too. And it's always fun to watch a player who's really athletic and fast. But it just seems like he likes to be out there. Yeah. You know, uh, when he scored that, when he basically took that goal off the ball of Lukaku, or he took the the goal, he took the ball off the foot of Lukaku and scored a goal uh, like three or four weeks ago. Like they might as well just benched him because he was he was so <laughs> excited that he basically couldn't play the rest of the match. He was like bouncing. It was like a kid with too much sugar. He was sure. just way too excited. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> I was thinking about this, too, and I, I thought, yeah, I, I tend to be drawn to players who look like they're having fun, sort of like the Juan Mata effect. Right. Uh, he he just looks like a little kid out there. But then, uh, conversely, I agree, like Virgil van Dyke, one of my favorite players in the league, if only like he is, he looks like he should be on the Star Trek Enterprise <laughs> because he looks so freaking competent in his job. The expression on his face is like, I know how to do it. Just trust me. It'll be fine. Speaking of Juan Mata, did you see someone commented on Twitter this weekend? So he got the yellow card after he scored the goal. 
And okay. uh, it was because it was because he'd gone into the crowd after after he scored the goal, and someone said it was it was the most Juan Mata moment ever to get a yellow card for hucking. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, that's good. I didn't even know you yeah. you would get a yellow card for going into the crowd. I guess it does make sense, right? I mean, it's kind of a waste, like it's a time wasting thing, maybe. What if for you excess, go, excessive celebration? What if you go into the crowd plus take your shirt off? Is that is that two yellows and a red, and you're off? I think you're, that's actually it's you're out for the season. That's wow. that's a third. It's a thirty match ban. They just send you straight to China. <laughs> um, so who are? But I, I we talked about this earlier, and so yeah, Sandy Cazorla is also one who fits in there. But I, I'm curious. Uh, we're we're going to put this out to the listeners. Uh, send us a message on Facebook or Twitter. Who are the players that you just like? Just fantasy aside, who do you just enjoy watching? If I, I feel like I'm so I'm in so deep with the fantasy game at this point, it's it's almost hard for me to just watch a match. Like it's I actually like it sometimes when we have a what we used to call a pure watch. Yeah, you know, a game where there's just there, there's no stakes, there's almost no fantasy implications involved, and you can just watch the match. I and, truly can't uh, think of uh, a match so far this season that's been a real pure watch. It hasn't felt that. I know. I know. It's. I, I guess. Yeah. Maybe the next time that Hull play, who who would Hull have to play? Like maybe Hull Burnley would be pretty close to a pure watch. But even then, I guess maybe Hull Burnley. I mean, after but Hull, Hull Burnley, scored, there's a lot of people out there with uh, Tom Heaton and goal yeah. who would start him. I was saying maybe if. If if like Diamande scored a goal early in Hull Burnley, for like from then on, it'd be a pure watch, <laughs> right? So Heaton loses or Heaton. What Heaton, about like, the sixty five percent of managers who play Sam Vokes every week? What about <laughs> them? True. Forgot about the Volkswagen. That's true. <laughs> All right, should All right. we should we give the rundown of the managers who matter? The top ten of the Hail Cheater Super League through game week twelve. Let's do it. And I, I'm going to turn this over to you once again, Brandon, because you you can pronounce people's names, and I. I can't. I for some reason I can't. So I, mean, I, I claim I claim to. So uh, let me let me take a ceremonial sip of water here. Glug glug glug. All right. Uh, after game week twelve, in first place, Arshin Batawala. His squad A team scored forty seven points on the game week. In second place, the Reykjavik Runners. That's Barta Waltha Hegelson's team. Third place, dropping a dropping a few. Uh, was David Felheim in first place last week? First or second, it looks like he was. I think so, yeah. I think so. so his squad, the Cuddly Koala, is now in third. In fourth, it's Heat and Me for Minule, William Sutton's squad, scoring 36 on the game week. Fifth place, Billich's Beauties, Matt Floyd. Uh, sixth place, Lads on Torre, Nick Forrester, scored 41 Stay, points this season. Staying in the top 10. I feel like, has Nick been in the top 10 the entire season? I feel like he's been, he's been right up there all year. It's the longest-lasting Torre in, in history. You, too, hasn't been on <laughs> Torre this long. That's true. The Rolling Stones themselves have not been on Torre that long. <laughs> Seventh place, BTSTU, our pal Mitch Maynard. And uh, if you haven't been on our Twitter feed recently, you can see an oldie but a goodie from Mitch Maynard. He did a Photoshop of Chris Brunt starring in the movie Brunt. So go find us at Hail Cheaters on Twitter and see Mitch Mater's handiwork. Sadly for Mitch, he drops down to seventh place this week with a showing of 34 points. Eighth place, Cliches Clean Sheets. That's Fabio Borges' squad. Ninth place, Derbatolitis, Kem Vardar. And rounding out the top ten, it's Bacon Sane, Tim O'Sullivan. Well done, Tim. Is that, is that, I think it's a new entry in the top ten, so congratulations so, to uh, Bacon, bacon Sonny. You think that's a play on a bacon sandwich? Or is that some sort of a Ooh, special sort of um, yeah. 
some sort some of English a, thing that we don't get. It may, it may be. <laughs> you never too late to join the Hail Cheater Super League. Just go to our league page on alwayscheating.com. There's an auto join button there, and our league code is everywhere online where we are. Brandon, we've come to our meltdowns of the week. It was a very strange week, Brandon. I, I sent a, I had a tweet that I sent out on Saturday, which I realized how true it was after I wrote it. That Did you say, whoa, I've got a bad feeling about this? <laughs> there's something about when you when – anytime there's a game week where you think to yourself, there are, there are way too many great captain options. And, and, in fact, I think we said as much in the last podcast. We said, well, you know, Lukaku at home or Aguero way to – uh, Crystal Palace. Yeah, go away to Crystal Palace. I mean, they're going to score a bunch of goals either way. So it's probably you're probably going to get 13 <laughs> points apiece, and it's going to be fine. Go go and, back and listen to our last episode, <laughs> and we ultimately landed on Yaya Torre. You can bank that one. We 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 thought in, in a Yaya Torre and a Chibe, uh, you could triple captain either one, and we were fine with that. Uh, yeah, so it's, you know, anytime there's a game week that where it seems like there are too many great captain options, it seems like none of them come through. I, I, I suppose you could argue that Diego Costa came through, but I don't really remember a lot of managers. To me, he wasn't one of the most talked about players for this game week. I mean, he had a bit of an injury issue for one thing, um, and there were probably some better options. So, um, right, and it, yeah. Diego Costa, for as in form as he is, just a perpetually scoring goals, he always has a problem with bonus points, which. Right. Just sort of psychologically makes it t- harder to put the armband on him. Yeah, exa- exactly. And you know they're, they're playing a team that that can play well at times. You know, so it was I don't know. It was it was it was just kind of a strange match. So which le- which leads us I mean, to the our defenses meltdowns. look pretty. Yeah, sorry, right, <laughs> sorry. Back to the meltdowns. Uh, uh, we should rename. We, we'll rename meltdowns of the week to Chelsea talk. Yeah, Josh talks about Middlesbrough's defense. Uh, all right. Uh, Uppercut Panza says, uh, I currently have a game week rank of 4,020,050. That just says it all. This is not a rant. It's dejection from a crushing defeat. You know, I got to say this. Um, I really like Uppercut Panda. He's very nice to us on social media, and he's fun to just chat with. actually exchanged a couple tweets about him on Friday night about he was watching a, a dumb cricket match, and I was dumb at watching a dumb basketball match. But after I found after I found out what Uppercut Panda's game week rank is, I have to really reconsider how I how I interact with him. You might drop the friendship. You might just I might drop it. Go. I might drop it. <laughs> uh, well, maybe this will make him feel better. Jeremiah Johnson says my game week rank is three point four six million four five hundred and forty nine. I panicked and knee jerk and went minus twelve, doing two transfers Saturday night and two more Sunday morning. Maybe I can freak out again before midnight tonight and squeeze in another two. Right, I've, never done, I've never <laughs> never done a panic for transfer before. I've, I've done a panic bur- uh, point burn where I, I was so sick of a player that I dropped him and I was like, I, I don't care if I lose four points. It's always the – I feel like the bigger the burn, the earlier it happens in the game week, right? Because you're you're so sick of your team immediately following a poor performance yeah. that, uh, that, that you're quick to hit the panic button. I, uh, I think that's you, why Sterling fell so much last week. I think every Sterling manager was just like we all gave up at the same time. Yeah, no. I mean, now uh, Jeremiah, Jeremiah Johnson's. Uh, oh, wait. This, 
their game week rank. So I just realized, Josh, that going back to Uppercut Panda, he's actually talking about his game week rank, not his overall <laughs> rank, four million. Game, yeah, if game you're if you're playing since game week one and you're ranked four million, I, you would have to be you you would have to be burning like forty points every game week. All right, all right, Uppercut Panda, friendship back on. <laughs> friendship back on. Jeremiah uh, Johnson, you're cool too. <laughs> Uh, Jukamon says 19 points in my first 11, 17 points on the bench. Can any other li- listeners top that for a shitty week? Uh, I, I can't top that, uh, but I, I actually had 21 points on my bench this week, which is uh, definitely I, – I feel like I, – I doubt even in a double game week I'm going to be able to get 21 points off my bench. Yeah, I just had six points on my bench. So, no. I mean, I was – one of the proud and the few that still was able to field Etienne Capou in my midfield, the, who who you usually rely on for points on your bench. Uh, all right. AMHA United, much like a college football player making his Twitter pledge to a college or whatever, he, he wrote on his uh, his like iPhone and then sent us the, like a screenshot of what he wrote. Uh, so let me just see if I can... There's a lot, of, a lot of stuff going on. He's he's going through a lot, Brandon. He's cycling through a lot of emotions. Let's hear here. him out. I'm I'm sure all, all our okay, listeners all right. can probably re- relate, relate to what he's I was going. trying to find a way to, to 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 shorten it, but just you can skip ahead to the 45 minute mark if you want. Yeah. Uh, transferred out Sanchez, Mane, and Dini, and replaced them with Coutinho, Hazard, and the Volkswagen for minus eight points. Uh, that was that did not work out. Uh, Coutinho and Hazard blank, and Dini gets an assist. Aguero, Lukaku, Walcott, and Koss all blanked. Now, to be fair, that 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 affected almost everybody. Uh, debated with myself about who I was going to choose between Allen or Capoue. I choose Allen, and of course, Capoue scores a goal and gets three bonus points. Allen also got suspended for the next game week. Had Pickf- Pickford on the bench as well. Why do I play this game? Uh, in Terabang, a Terabang, and Terabang. It's the unanswerable question why we play this game. So, uh, yeah, we actually didn't get to this earlier, but, you know, so I look at your midfield first thing on uh, Saturday morning, I'm like, I'm going to win this week. Like, if I get anything at all from my Liverpool players, I'm going to win this week. And then, like, three minutes into all of, there's like, you know, like eight fixtures or whatever on Saturday, uh, three minutes into uh, the Watford game, uh, Kapue scores. I mean, you, you had to be like 33 you, seconds into the Watford game. Was it, was it that early? Yeah, it was. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was watching the, uh, whatever they have at NBC here. Where they, oh, they the goal, the goal rush. The okay. Goal okay. Rush. Yeah. So the goal rush on Saturday morning, it started off with a bang. You got an immediate, um, Watford goal. Um, but the second half of that that mid uh, midday round of fixtures was the most existential goal rush of all time because there were no goals being scored. I was just watching the Liverpool match. I was texting you during that during the second half because I had a screaming baby, and so I was I was actually walking around outside and I was literally just refreshing Twitter like a like a maniac while she was in the baby carrier, mm-hmm. and like she, like that's like bringing her outside is the only thing that make her go to sleep. So uh, I had to I had to sacrifice the second half, but I'm actually glad that I did because I think I would have it would have driven me crazy if I'd seen how many chances Coutinho and Firmino missed in the second half. So I want to ask a real question to you, Josh, and our listeners: Am I responsible for the Volkswagen? Did I did I do this to everyone? Well, you were as responsible as anybody. I mean, it, <laughs> Are I have a reasonable, reasonably, 
I'm just saying we have a reasonably popular podcast, more than reasonably popular, I'd say. It's a, you know, a lot of listeners. Uh, and you've been talking about Vokes basically since game week one. So I've been more talking, than, yeah, you've, been, you've been the loudest, even the most vocal Vokes supporter since game week one. Vocal folks for Vokes. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it was ever since he scored that goal against Liverpool that I thought this guy could possibly be better than Gray. Uh, and so it took him you now to be fair he went seven or eight weeks without doing anything yeah yeah it's true <laughs> <laughs> it's true i mean so much so that uh jamie dean at mac milney on twitter sent us this amazing photoshop of of uh volks transforming from a volkswagen into a robot sam volks it's incredible you inspired art, Brandon. I did. Okay, so I'll, I'll take it at that, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, I, won't, I won't take the blame for Vogue sort of screwing everyone's game week, but I'll, I'll take credit for making enriching people's lives. Yeah, I mean he's a cheap he's a cheap third forward. You know, it's he's he's in that that Anachibe uh, Barrow category. You know, you, you can't expect that much from a from a sub six. Yeah, nearly forward. had an assist. Had um, I forget who the other one was on the other end of uh, that that headed uh, would be assist by folks uh, who kind of fluffed it. But yeah, yeah folks could have been in the points. Yeah, could have been. Could have been. Brandon, let's take a break. We have two topics for today's episode. The topic number one is heavy hitter forwards. We're going to talk about the uh, very expensive, I think this is slow, like the, the 9.5 plus category of forwards, and uh, just, just sort of compare them and talk about uh, what the fixtures look like, who you might want to bring in, who you might want to keep. I mean, I think a lot of people are really kind of freaking out right now because Aguero has been so up and down this season, and... Um, and what do you do with with Lukaku because he's blanked the last couple of game weeks and, and so on? Uh, and then section two, we're actually just we wanted to try to find something original for this original content for this week's episode. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at whether there's any value in the teams that are in the uh, the relegation spots right now. We call this section sewer dwelling. Where is the FPL value in the relegation slots? So we're going to look at Sunderland. We're going to look at Hull, and we're going to look at. Um, Swansea City, and uh, just see if there's any any value to be found there because these guys are all kind of cheap, and and actually all three teams have pretty good fixtures coming up. I love the sewer dwelling. It's like we're going to form a team of teenage mutant ninja turtles out of uh, guys from relegation squads. <laughs> exactly, be, it's going to be a lot of fun. All right, we'll see you in a second. Same old podcast, Okay, we're back. And in this section, as Josh, you said, we're going to talk about who is our main man. Lots of questions here about Aguero, about his form. Will he play? Will he, will he won't play? So we're, we're going to just talk about the, the uh, I guess we have five main strikers here. We've got uh, Brock Toon, a.k.a. Sergio Aguero. Diego uh-huh. Da Silva Costa. He <laughs> plays for Chelsea. Big Rom. Uh-huh. Big Rom. Mm-hmm. Place for the Toffees. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, any guesses as to the next one is? Uh, is it Harold of Canningburg? Harold of Canington. Close. Nice try. <laughs> he, nah, thank he, you. he plays for the Hot Spuds. <laughs> and uh, just for fun, there does Laton. So yeah. Laton just gets into this list um, uh, based on how much he, he costs. 
Yeah, he he cheekily backheeled his way onto this list. <laughs> he did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I I have to. Oh, speaking of Zlatan, I have to recommend everyone go to our blog at alwayscheating.com and click the blog tab. I just posted the first poem from our Always Cheating Poet Laureate, Lucian Madison. And he's written a whole poem about Zlatan Ibrahimovic titled That's beautiful. I, Zlatan I, I have, 69 Touches in the Box. I'm very excited about this. I have, actually, I have not read this poem yet. I'm really excited to check it out. It's, it's epic. It's Imagine Zlatan as Beowulf. So, Brandon, I, I thought, okay, so we have a couple of questions here. Let's, let's run through a couple of those real quick. Uh, Magnus Westerstrand says, uh, City making me crazy, gonna sell Aguero. Uh, Shane Deere says, is removing Kuhn something you consider if he blanks again uh, this game week? Uh, Lojanon says, does bringing in Kane for Aguero make sense? Uh, always fancy that fellow to score against his London clubs. So uh, I think a lot of people are driven a little crazy right now by all of the rotation with, with Aguero. And I think a lot of us don't have Costa in particular. And I, I think we're feeling a little a little trapped uh, I know that I am. Wouldn't I you actually say the, have... the the popular lineup right now is Brock Toon, Lukaku, and a, a cheap a cheap ish third, right? It it is. It gets the problem that I have that I think a lot of managers have, which is that I actually bought Lukaku. I think he was eight point nine million when I brought him in. He had actually dipped from his starting price. Now I think he's at nine point nine million. So I'm t- it's, it feels like a huge gamble. To I actually have the money. I could I could move. Um, Lukaku to Costa this game week uh, without, without burning any points. But, you know, I just I, like once you do that, there's no going back. I have lost so much team value as a result of, of making that move. And so I'm a little I'm a little reluctant to do it for that reason. I feel like I, I still want to keep the faith of Lukaku a little bit. Um, but it is frustrating to see him kind of back to his his troll Kaku tendencies. The team around him, that Everton team isn't really doing him any favors I mean, the uh, the great Belasi would be assist over the weekend where he he basically shot the ball directly at Lukaku's thigh. It's like, here, you put this in. They showed that they showed that so many times in replay as if he had the simple as if it was putt putt golf and the <laughs> the ball was at the lip of the hole. And all you had to do was blow in it. <laughs> Just tap tap tappy. Uh it was that ball was going two hundred miles per hour at his midsection. Yeah. And all he could do was react. I mean, you know, it's if he had scored that it would have been a great goal. Like yeah. there was no yeah, that was not an easy opportunity at all. Well, okay, so here's what I have to say about Brock Toon, real quick, and then you can tell me how you feel. But I feel like if Aguero scores this weekend against if he had scored against Crystal Palace this weekend, we wouldn't even be considering dropping him, right? Because then game week 10 against West Brom, he's got two goals and an assist. Middlesberger, he's, he scores a goal, should actually have had a brace. So I'm just not convinced that it, there are that many worrying signs. That said, if he fails to score against Burnley, there are too many of these tempting options that we're talking about. Uh, then I'll, I, I'm waiting until after Burnley to make up my mind. Yeah. So the Champions League is interesting. They play on Wednesday. Uh, it's kind of an important match. They play uh, Barossa, you know. Muchen Gladbach. and Gladbach, insert your five-syllable word. Uh, and it's kind of an important match because they're in second place in that uh, the Champions League group, and I think they have, I think they're on seven points in uh, Montreal Bucks on four. Uh, so it's it's kind of a must-win game for them, I would say. I mean, I don't know if it's necessarily must-win, but uh, I think if they win, it would seal their spot. And in fact, I know that it would. So they're probably going to have to play Aguero in that game week uh, or in that match. Uh, so. You know, Guerrero goes away to Argentina. I know he doesn't play, but he still travels. Mm-hmm. Uh, plays 
almost the entire match on uh, Crystal Palace, uh, plays uh, against Borussia Mönchengladbach, and then they're away to Burnley. I mean, he could come off the bench in that match. It wouldn't be inconceivable. Possibly. Uh, having Pep Guardiola as the manager changes this discussion because we have this every yeah. season uh, with City in the Champions League, and we always wonder if there's going to be a rotation, but there never is with Aguero. Right. Uh, but, yeah, yeah Pep, Pep does come complicated because we don't really know what he's capable I mean, of yet i i had it with sterling last game week and i know a lot of managers felt that way with, with gundawan this game week mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, that was amazing wasn't it I, I thought about bringing gundawan in i mean it, it seemed like it made sense i mean a way to cross a palace and burnley back to back uh i mean it's liverpool yeah, it's liverpool last season all over again where klopp was rotating uh that squad all over the place for the europa league it's just yeah yeah, that and that's one thing that makes Aguero even more appealing to me is that I think of all of the uh, the players there at City, he's the one that would be least likely to be rotated. Yeah, this is this is a little off topic, but does does uh, KDB turn your head at all? Are you still, like, do you do you wish you had him? Are you would no, you like to bring him in no, at some point? I really don't. I I said yeah. this. I think I said this last week. And you might, maybe you'll laugh at me, but I still think it's true that I think Robert Snodgrass is basically the same player as KDB is uh, right now in the Premier League. So yeah. why not have KDB at half the price? Well, KDB has been he's been good, but not great so far this season. I mean, he's been he's been quite good. I, I don't want to I don't want to undersell KDB. I, I, it does seem like for whatever reason he's not a player that a lot of managers own. I think I think his price makes him a little. Oh, it's entirely it's, his it's, price, right? Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, he's up to ten point eight now. I mean, he's okay. So he's even at least if he six, was like an Ozil level price tag, uh, you know, it'd be I might sing a different tune. Yeah, I mean he's 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 ten point eight million. He is the fifth highest scoring uh, midfielder. Uh, he's below Hazard, Coutinho, Sanchez, and Firmino, uh, and th- uh, three out of four of those uh, players are are cheaper than De Bruyne. And I feel like if you're if you're an eleven million midfielder, you have to be scoring. You you basically have to be out of position. You got to be a forward, basically playing as a midfielder, basically playing as a forward, don't you? I mean, it's really. I, he actually, how many assists do you think KDB has in the season, Brandon? Uh, four. He has nine. Whoa. Oh my god! Yeah, he in fact had one, two, three, four, five. He's, he had he assisted five games in a row, and he had two assists one of those matches. All right, and he's he's actually he's assisted in the last three matches. So he has nine assists and two goals in the season. Maybe I'm sleeping on Kev. Maybe yeah. maybe I just haven't actually opened up his profile all season. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just when you can bring in two two uh, Liverpool players who are both in the eight millions, it's kind of hard to to look at KDB. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Liverpool is just a more expensive Leicester City this season. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Dave Dave asks Dave Aston asks Kane v Costa. That is all. So, if you had to choose, Josh, going into game week thirteen, let's not look look backwards let's look forwards okay would you take costa who's on a yellow card suspension tightrope but also in the best scoring form in the league or would you take harry kane marginally back from injury right and i did i did watch the the spurs uh uh, West Ham game, which it was a very strange match. I felt very bad for West Ham. Um, although you have to blame Billich, I think, for basically having the game in hand and then deciding that eh, Dimitri Payet's expendable. Uh, yeah, let's I don't put on I don't, some I don't, guy from <laughs> Norway. 
<laughs> Let's bring out our guy. I think he won a contest. It was like a guy. It was like a radio <laughs> call-in thing or something. So they bring in this contest winner in the 85th minute. And, and he just decides to start slide tackling all over the penalty box. What could go wrong? The game goes to complete hell almost immediately. I could, it was so cowardly of him. Like, I mean, you saw the same thing in the Man U Arsenal match. I mean, when you are winning a game, like there's eight minutes left. Like, I hate this like idea. Like, all right, we're going to shut it down now. We're not going to. We're not going to go with what worked. We're not going to go with what you know got us the win. We're going mm-hmm. to. You know, like rain it all in and just and just try to hold on for dear life for the final ten minutes. Okay, I don't know if you remember that this was this was like in the early days of the internet where there was like one video clip for everyone on the planet Earth to watch at once, and there was <laughs> one making the rounds of a high school basketball game in which in this high school league there was no shot clock. So usually, mm-hmm. if the ball, if a, a team has the ball, they've got thirty-five seconds to shoot the ball. There was no right. shot clock. So this team, they score, they shoot a basket, they score, they play defense, they get the goal, the ball back, and they just hang on to the ball for the rest of the game. <laughs> it's so it's yeah, it, it feels uncompetitive, doesn't it, to, to play that kind of style? It feels the same way in professional sports. So okay, so anyway, in that match, I actually didn't think that Harry Kane looked very good at all. The first eighty-five minutes of the match. And uh, and honestly, both the goals he scored. I mean, the first goal he scored was kind of a lucky goal. I mean, you know, he was in a he's, he was in a good position, I guess, but it wasn't like he created this chance. No, uh, Son Son created that chance. It was put yeah. on a silver platter for Kane. Exactly, and the second goal was a penalty. So, um, and then the goal he, he scored against Arsenal. That penalty into the corner. He's, he's a great. He's always been a great penalty taker. So. I, it's not that I, I think if you're going based on just what we've seen so far, which you kind of have to, I mean, to an extent, um, I mean, you have to, you, you have to go with Costa. But the, the caveat here is that after this away match to Chelsea in game week 13, which honestly doesn't even scare me that much. Cause you know, the one thing I love about Harry Kane and I, I am an Arsenal fan, but I do, I do like Harry Kane. He's very fearless in these big matches. I, I feel like he really doesn't, uh, and he plays he plays very well in big matches, so I, w- I wouldn't be surprised to see him score in that Chelsea match. Uh, but then after the Chelsea match, they have Swansea, Hull, and Burnley all at home in three of the next four. And I don't know how you can not have a, a, a Spurs player in those three, uh, you know, for, for those three game weeks. I mean, uh, I feel very I would feel very naked not having a Spurs player in those games. <laughs> as pretty a picture as that might be, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I did a. Uh, I went to Fantasy Football Scout and did a side by side stats comparison of Diego Costa versus Kane over mm-hmm. the last two weeks, and Costa blows Kane away. He's preferred by the algorithm seventy five percent. Likewise with Lukaku. Looking at the last four game weeks, Costa is seventy percent favored over Lukaku. So it's it's really no mystery here that Costa is with the stats and with the goals the the best form striker but yeah i agree it's it's down to the how you feel about the fixtures coming up so i think we have a couple more uh, maybe we just have one more question here uh ashir ran khan said i was thinking about getting kane and achibe and cedric instead of lukaku austin and stones what are your views so who would you rather have would you rather have kane and achibe and cedric or lukaku austin and stones it feels so radically different (laughs) they do um (laughs) I would definitely want Lukaku, Austin, and Stones, and let me tell you why, Josh. Okay. Um, tough fixtures, I guess, for Lukaku and Austin's fixtures. Let's just pull them up real quick. Are great. 
They they have Everton, and then it's Crystal Palace, Middlesbrough, or Stoke, Bournemouth, and then John Stone. So we, we kind of touched upon City's form here coming out of the Champions League. I would expect that squad to really tighten up, and assuming Stones actually plays, and I mean... <laughs> Uh, how, Stones. how sad okay how sad is john stones even sadder still there will always be a sadder story than john stones in the defensive line of manchester city it's vincent company <laughs> when i saw I, when company. i saw uh that he was subbed off injured this weekend i can't believe they still feel him like it i know it's it's you know but the, they do it i yeah i mean look at someone like johnny evans who couldn't stay healthy for years and now he's kind of i guess he's righted the ship a little bit so i, I you know i don't know maybe he it's, needs like a year off he needs like a year to rest you know hasn't like, he had a year at this point 28 i know i know it poor company i i i really used to like watching him play he was He's almost in one of those. That he's in the Virgil Van Dyke category, where he could just single-handedly destroy another team when he was, yeah. you know, at, at his best. All right. So if you had to rank these, let, let, let's wrap this with a little ranking, Brandon. All right. Okay. So we've got these five forwards: Lukaku, Kane, Aguero, Ibra, and Costa. If you had to have two of these forwards through the Christmas fixtures, let's say you have two heavy hitters, and then you've got a Charlie Austin type, or or maybe you're going three-five-two when you're going to go with a with a you know strong midfield, mm-hmm. which Two players would you want to have uh, out of these five? Um, immediately, my gut reaction is Costa and Harry Kane. Interesting. Okay. My gut reaction was Aguero and Costa. Okay. And uh, yeah, and I think I would put Kane third just because his fixtures are so good. Um, and then I guess I would put. We kind of saw this with Kane last year, you know, where he's he, he had us kind of a slow start and then he. You know, it really came on the, the second half of the season. I guess I would, and then yeah, and then I would put Lukaku fourth and Ibrahimovic fifth. I, I'm I'm tempted to put Ibra over Lukaku, and maybe it's just buyer's remorse that I'm experiencing with Lukaku right now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, don't forget about Zlatan. He had that brace against Swansea, and then it all immediately came crashing down with his fifth yellow card. But their run of fixtures for United coming up all through the end of the year. It's really sensational. Yeah. Apart from Spurs in game week 15, it's it's just all green, bright green fixtures. Yeah, that's United. true. Yeah. And you just can't have them all, though. So I, I think that – and this is why, by the way, I, I don't necessarily want to go with a three-five-two rotation. I just think it's a little – we're going to get – there's actually a couple of questions about this we'll get to later. But I, I just think that there, there, there are often times when you need to have three heavy-hitting forwards, and there's yeah. just no getting around it because their fixtures are so good. And I think we might actually be coming upon that in the Christmas fixtures and – uh, yeah, so it's, it's 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 an interesting time. I think we live the, in interesting times right now. <laughs> well, I think the reason I I pick Kane too, just real quickly, I think this is interesting for people to think about: is which one of these five is going to be the biggest surprise uh, by the end of the year? Because right now we're 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 just trying to template templatize our front three. I mean, we, we still have a third striker that you can sort of a- have as your, your differential. But right. which one of these is going to be the one that's going to help you gain 25, 50 points in your mini league? And yeah. that, again, draws me to Harry Kane. Well, that is, that is fair. I mean, I guess the, the flip side of that is now that Costa's ownership is up to like 40 percent, can you risk not having him? 
you know, if he's going to be, if he has this, this great run of fixtures and he's probably going to be scoring a goal or two in nearly every one of these matches. It's true. Now, now we're getting into really, really uh, <laughs> tricky, <laughs> tricky territory. Like, if Costa scores a goal but nobody sees it, does it count? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I was having a great game week, and you know, just because Costa got nine points on Sunday, it really hurt my overall rank. I mean, I I was up almost two hundred thousand after Saturday, and then I was only up about a hundred thousand after that because uh, everyone who had him just shot ahead of me, even even with Hazard. All right, all right, everyone, take to our Twitter account and our Facebook page and rank these five guys in your order of preference lukaku kane aguero ibra and costa yeah. do that uh, uh, at hail peters or facebook.com <laughs> yeah. always cheating okay josh let's take a quick break and then we're coming back with our sewer dwelling section how can anyone wait same old podcast always cheating we're on to topic two two of two sewer dwelling where is the fpl value in the relegation slots there's kind of two ways that you can make up points or, or sort of shoot ahead of teams uh in your uh in your mini leagues uh, one is to find a guy like harry kane and bring him back you know um, when he's back from injury or back in form or whatever um and the other way is to kind of dig around in these where you know where where the prices are cheap and you don't really know what you're going to get. You might, if, you might get, you might get lucky with Anachibe for a little while. You might get, you know, you might end up with a, with a Steven DeFore, you know, you don't, you don't really know what you're going to get. Uh, <laughs> that's life in the sewers of the FPL, my friend. That's life in the sewers. Uh, but I've been thinking about this guy. I've been thinking about Jermaine Defoe and how hilariously underrated he's been this season. Uh, seven hilarious. Go- I would agree with that. I wouldn't <laughs> agree with that uh, categorization. Seven goals, two assists, 14 bonus points in the season. He's been scoring, uh, it's particularly in the last couple of, I mean, he's, he's averaged over one bonus point a game, uh, and he's averaging, uh, more than, more than half a goal per game right now. Um, just bossing around me, the whole Sunderland attack is, is run through him and he's linked up really well with Duncan Watmore of all people, Duncan Watmore who went to college and, uh, <laughs> So I've been thinking about, you know, we all kind of went for Charlie Austin a few weeks ago, but it turns out Jermaine Defoe was right there at a very similar price point. And uh, <laughs> it's like the end of Jerry Maguire. <laughs> he was right. There was, he was right in front of us the whole time. So let's let's talk about, OK, I want to talk about the three just just to narrow things down here a little bit. I want to talk about the three teams that are actually in the relegation slots right at this moment. Uh, so that's Sunderland, Hull and um, Swansea City. Uh, let's start with Sunderland, Brandon. Have you been watching any Sunderland? You got a clean sheet this game week. I did. Uh, Pickford and goal. That was glorious times. I haven't watched any Sunderland since watching them utterly capitulate against Everton. But uh, like game weeks ago. <laughs> it was a long time ago, and there's been nothing to watch since then. But um, uh, what is it? Two two wins in a row for Moises' squad. Yep, and, uh, yep. They look pretty good. So can they keep it up? Is the question, and I see no reason why they wouldn't to wouldn't be able to. They've got a, a decent, experienced manager in David Moyes, and they do have great players that have proven themselves across multiple seasons, particularly Jermaine Defoe and Patrick Van Anholt, who has always been a wild card FPL asset. And Don't sleep on college boy Duncan Watmore, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, I pledge Watmore. for for Watmore. Uh, yeah, uh, uh, so uh, of, of the Sunderland players, I think Van Anholt might be my top pick. Okay, well, Pickford too. I mean, Pickford's four point one million. I, I think by 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 most accounts, he he will not be losing his spot to Monone when he when he comes back. 
Uh, I mean, Minoni might even actually be. I, I think if, if if you didn't have Jordan Pickford, Minoni might actually be playing already. Um, and so I, I think he's probably going to keep that spot. Uh, we had a couple questions about about Anachibe and about playing a three five two formation. He's kind of the perfect third striker at a three five two. Uh, Mitchell Badhurst had said, "Would you consider a three five two now that Anachibe as a four point five striker has emerged? Uh, considering the first subs, a four point five attacker is better than a four point five defensive mid in terms of attacking FPL returns." Richard Rufford, a long time friend of the podcast, says, "Hi guys, looking forward to the pod. I'm going Maverick this game week with a five three two formation. Do you still consider three four three as the default?" So. I do, but I don't think that it, 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 default to me just means that that is typically the best formation. I I don't want to be so conservative that I wouldn't play a three five two or that I wouldn't even play a I guess a five three two possibly. Um, I'm willing to adapt given you know the situation, <laughs> but but I, I have a self control problem when I play in a, a, a you know a, a three five two or, or I, I don't know if I've ever actually like really plan to play a five three two, but yeah. basically a, a formation with two strikers. And the problem is it's very hard for me not to play that third striker, especially if they're in good form. Right. Yeah, it's so much easier for a striker to be in. I mean, it's the hardest thing to do in football is to score a goal, but it's so much easier to pick out an informed striker as it is to pick out a clean sheet. Even with form defense, anything could go wrong at any moment and you lose that clean sheet. That's why... I feel like the 3-4-3, three, three, um, it's basically like the blackjack of formations. It, the, the, those are your highest odds of winning, I think, right, with that right. formation. So, you know, it's, it, if, you're, if you're a great FPL manager, you're one, you're one that can pick out the right game week to play an oddball formation and make it work. But, you know, I played a 4-3-3 three, three this week, and... It just happened to be yet another week where there were there were no clean sheets apart from right. Sunderland and West Brom. I was lucky enough that's where my points came from, but it's it's so hard to play on clean sheets. Yeah, I mean exactly, and I, I just think that it's just so much easier to find three. Things are a little skewed this year because I, I think it's mostly because of the Liverpool midfielders. And because they've been scoring so much, not just assisting, but actually scoring goals so often, it's very tempting to have two Liverpool midfielders and suddenly add Eden Hazard and maybe Alexis Sanchez. And suddenly the midfield looks like the place where you want all your money to go, you know? And so I think that it's, it's tempting, but I I just, I like having Darren Fletcher as my fifth midfielder, (laughs) the goal scoring Darren Fletcher. Uh, it just it makes it simplifies my decisions. I, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I feel like it's, I you know, I don't mind having a fourth defender come in. You know, I, I just I, I feel like it, three five two is not traditionally work for me. It doesn't mean that I'm opposed to it, but it just it's it. I, I find I feel like once I'm committed to three five two, which I definitely have done many times over the years. You know, for you know, three or four game weeks or whatever. Often, often you know, the, at the end of a season when I'm trying to catch up or you know just trying to you know, turn my turn my game week around or whatever turn my you know turn my like run a bad form around uh i feel like the second i commit to it i'm trying to get out of it right you know like i'm already i'm already like trying to look for an exit ramp well let's go back to this we're not we're not delving into the sewer enough here josh let's go back to this the guy who started this conversation the 4.5 striker anachebe so i i was telling you before we started recording that i i believe him to be etienne kapu to the power of 10 like there's <laughs> yep. I, I can't imagine a world in which he keeps up this 
strike rate. And we talked about this many, many, many episodes ago, even before the season started, when we were going through our our 10 rules for FPL success and to beware of the cheap third striker. Mm -hmm. If you build your team around... Anachibe at 4.5 and you start to put that vice on on uh, that position, you're going to find yourself at least two moves away from getting Anachibe out of that position to free up some cash to turn a 4.5 striker into someone as cheap as Sam Vokes, who's at least six million. Right, exactly. It just it just it really limits your options, I think. And you know, limit your options. You know, in the place where you least want to have limited options, you want to have options in the forward line because they are forwards for a reason. They're they're whole. They're whole. Well, I okay. I mean, this is like I don't want to get down like the road of like modern pressing styles and you know contemporary formations and stuff like that. But like in general, a striker's goal is to score goals, sort of above and beyond anything else. Um, and so that's where you want to have your FBL money invested. In general, but um, I guess it is a little different this year. Given, I mean, we just talked about five great, you know, striking options, and there are a ton of options in that kind of middle tier: Defoe, Austin, etc. And um, I don't know. I, I don't want to give up on those players just to have, you know, Gilfie Sigurdsson in for the next few game weeks. <laughs> Do you think Defoe is a little too expensive at seven point four million? Well, he's a little too expensive, but not, he was not so high just coming into the season. I thought. Well, because last year he had kind of a sneaky good season too. I, I, I mean, I, it was he, he what started he probably started at seven, and now he's up to seven point four. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it, it's not outrageous. I, you know, it's I, I think it's like pretty fair. I mean, that's still like point five cheaper than Raheem Sterling is. Okay, Josh, let's talk about Hull. The prospects here for Hull City, the team that is is finally become the. Um, the dumpster fire that everyone predicted earlier, uh, <laughs> earlier uh, before the season started, before yeah. they beat Leicester. Um, we've got a few options. Robert Snodgrass, the snod is God, 5.6 million. And uh, on down the line, Marshall. Who's this, the right. uh, deceased uh, filmmaker, Gary Marshall? <laughs> David Marshall, the goalkeeper. <laughs> right, David Marshall. <laughs> I didn't even know who, who played this goal for a hole. This is how disinterested I am in Hull City. Um, <laughs> Michael Dawson. I know Michael Dawson. He used to play for Spurs. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Diamande, 4.6. He's had no goals or assists since game week one. So he's I actually right hope at the top it's, of I, I hope it stays that way. I hope he scores one goal this season on a double bicycle kick. And that is the only goal and assist he has the whole season. The first goal of this season, the Premier League season, was a double bicycle kick. I mean, you kind of have to retire after that, right? It's like that's the end. Yeah, I, I really hope that Diamande got that goal bonus. And he, he said, I'm going to put this goal bonus in this little coffee and, tin. And, and, and I'm not going to touch it. And open it for two years. Exactly. <laughs> because I don't know when my next goal bonus is going to come. So I'm just going to save this. I think we can simplify things here for Hall. There is there's one only there's one and only one player that you'd want in Hall. I mean, we, we, could, we could talk about Marshall. Who, and the thing about Marshall is he actually has three matches with with six saves already. I mean, he's getting tons of save points. He's kind of like, 
he's like the hipster Tom Heaton or something. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think in general, you can't really have a whole defender. They're just they're getting destroyed a little too consistently. Uh, I, I don't I don't know if they've actually kept a single clean sheet the entire season. Um, maybe one, maybe in game week two. Uh, but in, yeah, in general, they've, they, they're not keeping any clean sheets. And even though their defenders are super cheap, there's just really no one you'd want on that team. I mean, Michael Dawson did score a goal in game week 11, but he's not a goal scorer in general. He's, you know, he's a center forward. Um, and Diamante does not interest me at all. Um, I mean, if you, if you need a cheap third forward, you obviously have to go with an Achibe at this point. There must be people out there doing a Pickford-Marshall rotation, maybe. There must be somebody else at 4.5 that's worth yeah. having in goal apart from Marshall. I just, I just don't see it. The Jakku thing was fun. I mean, if, when, when Jakupovic was playing, a 4 million backup defender is fine. I mean, that's like a totally, you know, that like at 4 million, sure, you know, no problem. But, I mean, that half a million does make a pretty big difference, I think. Yeah, these these fixtures for Hull too. Even though they they look easy according to the FPL's uh, fixture tracker, West Brom, Middlesbrough, Crystal Palace. These are all teams that are going to look to. They're all first of all teams that need three points. Yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, I mean that West Brom game. And I I mean they're home, but I, I think they could they could they could be held you know scoreless in that game. And I mean the Burgers can be pretty tough at home. They don't have George Friend anymore though. I know, friend. That's like that's like a burger with no sauce. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> uh, they play Crystal Palace. They'll score a bunch of goals in that game because Crystal Palace always concede like five goals. Uh, I mean, holding Man City to two goals is actually a kind of an accomplishment for them. Mandanda, uh, <laughs> I don't get that guy. <laughs> he, he is like he, to me. He is the Brad Guzan of this season. <laughs> Like I, I want to like Mandanda, and it seems like he's a fan favorite. And he, I know I was all good, in. Yeah, yeah. I, at, the, at the start of the season, I was I was all about. Man- I don't understand what happened. Their defense was pretty good last season, and it's not Mandanda. He is not the reason they stink this year. I don't know if it's Delaney or or what, or if they, they're just committed to an attacking style or what. But man, that defense has been bad. It truly has. Uh, speaking yeah. of speaking of bad, we had Swansea City. Last but not least, the last garbage bin that we're looking into. Uh, okay, so Swansea actually do have a couple interesting prospects. Uh, one is Gilfie Sigurdsson, who, even though I was just kind of making fun of him a moment ago, uh, is a pretty interesting player, given what they've got coming up over the next eight fixtures. Uh, they're they're home to Crystal Palace in Game Week 13. Then uh, they have a tough, way, tough, get, tough match away to Spurs. Then they go on this. So they've had this horrible run from like game week like three to game week twelve. Poor, they played. Poor Bob Bradley was just thrown into the fire. Yeah, it was. I feel like I feel like at one point there was like they had like it was like Arsenal, Man U, Man City, like three matches in a row or something like that. It was it was terrible. So now it's like finally evening out a little bit, and so they'll play Sunderland, West Brom, Middlesbrough, West Ham, Bournemouth, Crystal Palace, uh, all all in a row from game week fifteen to game week twenty. And, you know, looking at this, it makes me wonder, if you were me, Brandon, and you were looking to get rid of Antonio, uh, who gave me like a miracle six points this game week, but he's definitely on his way out, would you look at Gilfie Sigurdsson or would you look at uh, Theo Walcott? Uh, Theo Walcott? That seems obvious, right? Well, obvious for the Bournemouth match, but I don't know. Long term, I, I kind of like Siggy for... 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I I don't know if I can do it. I think I need Walcott. He's Walcott's such a flat track bully that I could see him scoring like three goals in that Bournemouth match. Yeah, it's a it it goes hand in hand with the conversation we were having about Manchester City. I think this uh, City and Arsenal they've just felt like deflated versions of themselves the last month. Yeah, and uh, both teams really started the season really well. They were scoring certainly more goals than they are now. And I just don't believe Arsenal is going to look like this, like the way they have the last few weeks for much longer, particularly once we get into the meat of the month of December. They have to stop playing Aaron Ramsey. Like <laughs> they they have not been good since they brought Ramsey back into the team. I love Aaron Ramsey. I love the way that he plays. I love the fire that he plays with. He is screwing that team up. Like yeah. it is not like they have to get him out of that out of that squad. And I, I don't even know if he has a future at Arsenal because it just whatever reason his style is not flowing with the rest of that team. I mean they they have this free flowing attacking style, and then he came in and it's just like I don't know. It's just it's not working. I, and it, he also like I feel like he thinks in his head that he's like a twenty goal a season striker. Like he, yeah. I think he thinks he thinks he's like Harry Kane or something, and it's just not, it's not happening for him. And <laughs> they're really missing Cazorla right now. I, I, yeah. I guess that's the major problem, and a, and one you you can't really gloss over. Still, I mean, I don't know what problem you have with Arsenal's fixtures coming up though, I and mean, they're they all look gravy. Bournemouth, West Ham, West Ham can't defend. You got Everton and Man City. Those could be tough. I don't know. I'm trying to talk myself out of just complete and utter oblivion with my <laughs> Arsenal midfield right now. Yeah. Uh, who else can we talk about on Swansea, Brandon? Who else? Who else stands out to you? Well, I mean, Jordi Amat, who everyone uh, was really sweating the fact that Bradley immediately took him out of the, the defensive rotation, but he was our our choice 4.0 starting defender. Yep. So we're all and thrilled to see him play 90 minutes over the weekend. Played 90 minutes, and you know they they, they played pretty well uh, on the road to a, you know a strong Everton squad or a pretty strong Everton squad. I, I can't imagine that Amat goes back to the bench after that fixture. No, and the uh, Swansea defense was not really performing at the highest level without Amat. So yeah, I think he stays. It solves a huge game week 13 problem for me too. I, I was really, I was, I was going to basically have to play either Francis away to Arsenal or uh, Coney away to Liverpool. Uh, if, if Amat wasn't back in, it would have been pretty hairy. Yeah. I mean, this, the Swansea team is just littered with um, guys who I'd like to see do well. You've got uh, Wayne Routledge, who I think uh, Bradley was hoping he was going to be his Raheem Sterling when he came to the squad. Brandon, I'm just going to stop you because we don't need to talk about this. They're bad. <laughs> don't bring them in. Bring in bring in Sigurdsson. If you have him out, be lucky you have him out, but I don't even know if I bring him in. Um, and the rest of that defense is kind of weird. I, don't, I was actually looking at different defenders. They've all been going in and out the last few game weeks. So I, I, I would feel a little nervous about bringing in any uh, Swansea defender right now. So I think it's Siggy, hold him out, and that's it. Yeah, I can't disagree with you. I mean, yeah, I, I can't. How much does Fabianski cost? Uh, it's five million. Okay, too expensive. <laughs> yeah, too expensive. <laughs> you're doing. You're pulling out all the stops to get us out of the this Swansea conversation. <laughs> I am. In fact, that's it. That was enough sewer dwelling for me. I feel gross. I need a shower. Yeah, that was that was the most <laughs> disgusting, repugnant section so, we've ever done on it this was, podcast. It was so gross. We kept talking about good teams. We <laughs> kept All right, so let's take a quick break. We have a, we did a couple more questions, and then we're going to do our game week thirteen preview, and then we're going to get out of here. Save 
Brandon, we have not even talked about uh, the big moment of this game week right now. FPL Booster says, Gundawan or Torre? And what about Yaya Torre, Brandon? What's the deal? <laughs> um, that that was such a bizarre event. So weird. First of all, weird that Yaya Torre is even named to the squad. Then he's named as a starter. Then he goes and scores two goals. I mean, there's no end to the way this narrative sort of unfolds. <laughs> it's so weird. He started at eight million. Now he's down to seven point six. I mean, you can't bring him in. I mean, who knows if he's going to play? You know, I told you the you know, the only thing that would have made this weekend better is if one of Yaya Torre's goals was him kicking a uh, birthday cake into the upper ninety. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, we were just one step uh, away from that. <laughs> I I don't I'm I'm going to put on my cynical hat, which basically is permanently affixed to my head. But um, I do wonder if Pep's if uh, Torre's agent said to Pep, like, just just play him once. And we're we're trying to fix a move for him in the in the winter window. Just let him play a game and we'll get him out of your hair. It would not make me happy if I were a Gundawan owner. I'll say that much. It. It just it just sucks. Like it just it just puts you in a terrible position because now you will never feel safe about whether he's going to start. You know, I mean, it probably means for the Christmas fixtures that that Gundogan plays half and Yaya plays half. And I mean, I know you can play the two of them together, but you just you'll never know. You know, and so if I was on the fence about bringing Gundogan in, I'm definitely kind of off that fence now, and I'm I'm definitely not going to do it. It's true. Had Yaya had a terrible game, then you would have been put at ease. I mean, still Gundogan has been a great player in that midfield. He would be favored, but I I I, I sympathize with what you're saying. The threat of rotation is is threat enough. What about this question? Brett Cass says thoughts on a Lukaku and Allen to Siggy and Austin move. I have two freeze. Well, my response to that is see section one of podcast A, in which we talk about all the great strikers to replace Lukaku with. I mean, I'd be curious to know who Brett also has up front aside Lukaku, because I'd be looking at Kane and Costa um, <clears throat> to replace Lukaku as, uh, instead of Charlie Austin. But uh, yeah, I think I would I, I would just hold. I mean, I, I, I might even hold both those players. I mean, I know it's frustrating that Allen's out for a week, but Allen is still a valued player. You know, I mean, I I don't know. It's I, well, I don't know. I mean, I know the Allen managers are kind of frustrated right now because he's sort of like like things went from like so high to so low so quickly. Well, like that's, that. been, that's been the story of the season. It was it was Kapu first, yeah. and now it's Joe Allen. These guys, right. people are forgetting how cheap these guys are, and we need guys at this price tag in our squads, and to expect them to perform like Riyad Mahrez every week is, yeah. I, I feel like it's unfair. So <laughs> I, I totally agree. Just hold on to Joe, and I don't see Austin even remotely as an upgrade Uh it's barely it's not even a sideways move it's a step down even though i really like austin yeah all right moving on heart hat hog whoa that was, that's something <laughs> hogsrud says i am now officially going for kapue as my fourth mid too many times he has left points uh on the bench am i insane uh yeah i think i think you are man i don't think i'd do it i i would not i mean how do you i mean you're that you still have kapue i got rid of him how do you feel well, it's like I was saying to Brett, uh, as far as Joe Allen goes, 
Like, what do you expect from these guys? And if you if you've got more expensive, three more expensive guys in your midfield, I mean, just just for example, say you're going to do Mane, Firmino, and Coutinho, you're going to need someone that's as high as six point five. And if you're going to go lower than that, why not a player that's actually proven themselves? Etienne Capou has five goals on the season. What else do you want from this guy? We talked about this in an earlier podcast. I like him a lot as a fifth midfielder. I don't like him a lot as a fourth midfielder because I just don't think he's quite consistent enough. Uh, you know, I don't know. If you got him at four point five million and he's, you know, he's your fifth mid, I think that you're in a great spot. But I think in general, I. Um, I don't know. I had him as my fourth midfielder for a few weeks, and I was very frustrated, and I, I'm definitely glad that I got rid of him. Next question comes from Siraj Garish. Hey, Siraj. Is it crazy that I still own the treasure troll that is John Stones? City have to start keeping clean sheets sometimes, all right? Now, the first thing I would say to Siraj is the real treasure troll on City is Leroy Sané, because the man like <laughs> phys- physically resembles a, a treasure troll. That is true. But secondly, I... It's not the craziest thing I've ever heard. I think I think we touched upon this earlier that we I I personally feel like City's form is going to improve over the next month and as part of that I would expect to see a handful of clean sheets assuming Stones gets the start and and now that company they're they're surely digging a grave for company behind the Etihad at this point. Uh Stones I think Stones will I don't even know what, what come good yeah. means for John Stones. I feel, maybe his name won't be mud by the end of 2016. I, I, cannot, I cannot in good conscience say anything positive about John Stones in this podcast. And in, in 12 game weeks, uh, he has one clean sheet. He has not started at least two of those matches. There was one match when he came out in the second half. Uh, just it is not happening for this squad. I mean, they're not really – I don't really understand why they keep giving up goals. I mean, they, the fact that, like, it, it does seem a little fluky does – I mean, there's sort of two ways to look at it. One is that uh, it's it's just some variance and that it will kind of clear itself up. Uh, the other way to look at it is that they just don't really seem to have the right shape or something. You know, it's just not like – they're not working well together. And so as a result, they're always going to con- – they're not communicating well enough or something. And they're always going to concede some goals. And if that's the case, then you really can't have stones. I don't know who to recommend in place of him, though. I mean, who who at 5.0 is keeping clean sheets? Uh, Anyone on Everton? No, they can't keep a clean sheet. Even the higher-priced Arsenal defenders can't keep a clean sheet these days. So, I mean, are you going to waste a transfer to get rid of John Stones? I mean, I don't have a waste to transfer, but I, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I, at some point I, I would like to get rid. I mean, like, why not bring in a West Brom defender? They have great fixtures, and uh, I mean, you can bring in my boy Nyam for four point three million. <laughs> there you go. Can turn that upgrade your midfield for point seven. All right, so we have uh, we're going to round out this Q and A section with something that's um, sort of geo targeted and also slightly philosophical. It comes from Mister Greaves. And uh, he says, do you guys think that your location could make a difference with your lineup transfer choices? Where I live on Saturday, the early game is played at 8.30 in the morning. So I usually make my transfers and fix my lineup before I go to sleep on Friday night. So uh, I sympathize. It sounds like um, Mr. Greaves lives somewhere here in America, not far from us, I guess, I was trying to figure this out. What does he so live? He, he lives somewhere in the Atlantic Ocean. 
<laughs> yeah, it's even like the the Bermuda, perhaps, or something. <laughs> I, I'm assuming that Mr. Cruz, who, who's we should call him by his by his at handle, by the way, pronounced FPL Fatty. Uh, FPL Fatty. <laughs> I think he he must live in Bermuda. Um, okay, so I don't know that it really affects the moves that I make. I know that it it causes me a lot of stress and. There, I, and I know that you're in the same position as me. There are many nights when it is time for bed, and my wife and I are going to bed, and she's done. She like lights are off, and I am sitting there in the darkness with my iPad, scrolling through different options, trying different team combinations out. Uh, and I would love to be able to wake up on a Saturday morning, have some coffee, have some breakfast. Um, you know, go for a walk and then come back and very calmly make my, my final transfer. No, I want to be done Friday night. I want to be done and out and I can wake, wake up on Saturday and it's, it's game time. Okay. When is the last time you made your transfer before one o'clock in the morning? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I guess the Lukaku transfer I made going into game week 12, it was, it was, I think for like Friday morning I made it. And so Friday night you weren't debating making a second move. You weren't looking at possible. No, no. I mean, this, this is a whole other section for me. I mean, Friday (laughs) night, maybe I should have been, but I have, I haven't burned four yet this season. And I think that's what's causing my team to really stagnate uh, Mm. at the moment. Brandon, it's game week 13. We're not going to go through all these matches, but uh, just a couple things stand out to me. Uh, one is Burnley hosting Man City. Now, what's interesting about this match is that Man City play a very difficult Champions League fixture on Wednesday, and yet they have the early match on Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. That is pretty brutal. That is pretty brutal. I'm shocked by that, by the way. <laughs> I can't. I mean, I, I felt like when you have a Wednesday champion, don't you always play on Sunday or nearly always? It's. Why is Watford Stoke, which is on Sunday, not being played on Saturday? And why can't they postpone this match so we can get a freaking double game week up in this FPL game yeah, already? I want that. I want that. Maybe we'll get a cold weather double game week this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, excited to watch this Chelsea Spurs game. I mean, they always uh, deliver in terms of spectacle. I think of me suddenly realizing that Kane, Harry Kane was fixture proof two seasons ago when he, um, I don't remember if it was a hat trick or two goals and an assist or whatnot. Um, at Stamford Bridge. And oh, then, yeah. That of was course. His coming out game. Yeah. Yeah, and he's been gay ever since. <laughs> and then, of course, at the end of last season, when Chelsea just brutalized Spurs and took the um, the league title right out right out of their hands and, and yeah, drove Dembele game. into an eye-gouging rage. Yeah. Was that, was that a midweek? I feel like I remember watching that at work last year. Yeah, I year. think it was a Monday yeah. night fixture. Um, okay, so captain choices. I do not like Aguero because I, I I don't really like captain players for the first for the first the early morning fixture anyway. I know that's kind of superstitious on my part, but uh, especially given that they play on Wednesday, I just think that's kind of a tricky captain choice. I think that I will be looking at one of the Liverpool midfielders for that Sunderland fixture. I think that uh, Coutinho or Firmino are the two that really stand out. Yeah, that could be a pretty brutal game for Sunderland. They'll be crashing down to earth after that, I expect. Yeah, and no, I agree. There are so many red flags against Aguero playing. Burnley is, despite what we saw against West Brom this game week, are much tougher at home defensively, and there's probably going to be a hangover. I mean, if I had a Liverpool player, I'd, I'd probably go for it. 
I mean, shoot. If so I, is, if, is Alana like, is he definitely out for this? This, this he's, uh, he's game down to 25% with a, wow. a groin slash hip slash pelvis injury. <laughs> so. That's almost a red. That's like a dark, that's like a very dark uh, orange right there. So what, what one thought was just like a uh, contact knock in an international friendly. Basically, it's like he was involved in a head on car crash as far as I can tell. And the friendly strike again. Uh, Arsenal, I think Arsenal at home to Bournemouth is kind of an interesting fixture. I think that you could you could very reasonably uh, captain uh, Sanchez or or even Walcott. I I mean I know Walcott hasn't done much the last couple of game weeks, but this just feels like the kind of match where Walcott can really dominate. Yeah, uh, I'm thinking if I if I still had uh, Ibrahimovic, I'd captain him against West Ham. Yeah, no, that makes sense too. Yep, but I don't, so I can't. So that's that. <laughs> so that's that. Uh, All right. Hey, about, see about, you later. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay. Instead of us picking a clean sheet, Josh, uh, here's here's a game we should play. Let's not pick a clean sheet. Let's let's bet on whether or not there will be any clean sheets this weekend or not. In in any of the matches. In any of the matches. Uh, yeah, I think, I think if only because of the Arsenal Bournemouth match, I, I just cannot see Bournemouth scoring in that match. Yeah, I'd like to see that. I mean, remember the days when we were like talking about which Arsenal defender would be best because there were so many good options. I know, I know. Mustafi has just been a, a headache, ongoing headache for me. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do like that pick. And I think Liverpool looks pretty good at Sunderland. They're coming into it now. Yeah, Loris, Loris, Loris Carius back in my squad. I can, never, I can never play him the right game week. Somehow he's picked up clean sheets away to Southampton and away to Man U. Well, here you can't go – well, you could go very wrong because you've got Pickford versus Carius. So both your goalkeepers in one match. Wouldn't it be – wouldn't it just be so great if you played Carius and Pickford got a clean sheet against Liverpool? Or saved a penalty or something. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Because there's just there's simply no way Pickford is keeping Sunderland in that match. There's no way, no way. All right, B, that's it. Uh, I feel like you know I'm looking at the running order. Doesn't see. I'm actually no. This looks like we talked quite a while. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Only two topics, and yet we really stretched it out, didn't we? <laughs> who knows? Who knows if we really said anything of, of substance? But anyway, um, if you haven't yet subscribed to the Always Cheating Podcast, you can find us on iTunes, where we encourage you to leave a review uh, if you could. That really helps us out. You can also subscribe. On SoundCloud, we're on Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Acast, and TuneIn FM. You got it. You can also find us on social media, Twitter. We're at Hail Cheaters. Facebook, facebook.com slash always cheating. You can always send us an email, hailcheaters at gmail.com. You know, we have an email from Joe Morgan that uh, I didn't mean to respond to. So, unless, did you respond to him, Brandon? Sorry, Joe. Uh, we'll, we'll get to you shortly. Yeah, sorry about that. I, just, I, wanted to, I wanted to give him a special shout-out because I feel bad that we have not responded to that email yet. Yeah, exactly. And uh, just a, a second reminder to go read Lucian Madison, official Always Cheating Poet Laureate's poems, Laton 69 Touches in the Box. Uh, it's an interesting read, so you can find that on alwayscheating.com on our blog page. All right. Happy Thanksgiving, Brandon. Yeah, happy Thanksgiving to all of our American listeners out there. I, I hope you spend spend it with uh, loved ones that you enjoy yourself and that you you usher in many points for game week thirteen. That's right. And don't talk about the election with your family. Oh God! Well, for, for yes. <laughs> avoid it at all costs. Yeah. 
All right, Ember County forever, Brandon. All right, have mercy and hail cheaters. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.